It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of great stuff on today's agenda. We start off today like we start off every show. Three big things and see more analysis in the aftermath of the horrible shooting in Las Vegas. Let me start off by saying I, I am not a Second Amendment absolutist. All right. I, I believe in the right to carry to bear to bear arms. At the same time, I think that we have a right to make reasonable restrictions on that, just like we have a right to make reasonable restrictions, say, on the First uh, Amendment. I, I have no problem with the fact that felons are not legally allowed to own firearms. I have no problem with rules, uh, for example, generally prohibiting the ownership of automatic weapons. In this country, you can't go out and just buy a machine gun over the counter. There are certain circumstances under which you can obtain a fully automatic weapon, but you need to get approval by the ATF. You need to have a permit. You need to be approved by local law enforcement. There are restrictions on this. I, I don't have a problem with that. I think Wisconsin Republicans in the legislature are on the verge of making a huge mistake if they were to go ahead and pass legislation which would rescind the concealed carry rules. By rescind the concealed carry rules, I mean right now you can carry a firearm in a concealed fashion, but you have to get a permit. There is a move going through the legislature to remove the permit requirement, which would allow anybody to stick a gun in their waistband, cover it up with their coat, and go out on the street. I think that is a bad idea for a variety of reasons. I mean, I'm so I'm not an absolutist. At the same time, I, I do think people have a right to carry, have a right to own firearms, and I think there's a number of legitimate reasons for that. I also firmly believe that simply because you have some kook that acts out in a horrible sort of fashion, that you have to be careful with knee-jerk reactions. Because um, the truth of the matter is, as horrible as the shooting was in Las Vegas, and it was horrible, now you've got all sorts of people that are saying, okay, well, this is the call for universal background checks, even though universal background checks would have had nothing to, would have done nothing to stop this man from, from getting the, these particular guns. We want to do something so we can feel like we're accomplishing something. And a lot of times that something wouldn't do anything to stop what the situation was. So, that's the background of this. There is a very serious movement, which is resurrecting itself once again, to ban any sort of semi-automatic rifle. You know, they're called the, the assault rifles, but what they are is the weapons that have larger magazine clips. So they can fire 10 times, maybe 20 times, depending on the size of the clip, without reloading. Um, there is a move to ban these. These are semi-automatic rifles. They are not illegal. In this particular case, the Las Vegas shooting, what it appears, and again, we still don't have all the final details, but it appears that the guy had a couple of these firearms, and he had obtained, I, I didn't even know these things existed, because, I mean, I, I don't I don't go to gun shows, I guess, and I, I don't look on the internet looking for ways to take, for example, a normal rifle and turn it into an automatic weapon, but the guy, you know, in Las Vegas apparently, you know, had one of these these things, these bump stocks, and I never, like I say, I never even knew they existed, which you attach to the stock of an existing weapon, and it, it uses the recoil of the gun to take a semi-automatic weapon and convert it into something that is effectively firing in an automatic fashion. So, I mean, there are these things out there that apparently you can get to take otherwise legal weapons and then have them converted so they effectively act like machine guns. Now, let me say this again at the outset. 
if it is illegal to own a machine gun without all these different permits and approvals, I, I do think it's crazy to allow people to be able to, for 40 or $50, buy things through the Internet or through gun stores or whatever that they can attach to an otherwise legal weapon to turn it into an illegal weapon. I mean, if machine guns are illegal, it makes sense to me that the you know devices that turn a legal gun into an illegal gun should all to turn a legal gun into an illegal gun should be made illegal as well so i mean i if if we were talking about legislation which would eliminate these bump stocks or the, these things that apparently you attach to the triggers that have a crank on them so you can turn them into like a mini gatling gun i you know i i'm fine with that to me again that's the type of reasonable regulation but there's a lot of people that are now taking this further and they're saying, all right, we, we can't just look at these modifiers. What we have to do is confront the overall problem, which is that people have firearms. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Is the shooting in Las Vegas a justification for banning semi-automatic weapons? Or at least the type of semi-automatic weapons that are able to come, that come with those magazines that, that can fire 10 or 20 shots. You know, the things that look like the military weapons. Is this a justification for once and for all saying, all right, we're going to do away with these type of firearms? 414-799-1620. This is big story number one. We discuss when we come back. I'll tell you where I come down on this. Where do you stand? Is this the time to finally say we do away with semi-automatic weapons and the large magazines? 841, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 844, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, here, here's the fundamental question that's now coming out. Um, the, the man who was involved in the Las Vegas shooting had a series of weapons. We believe that these weapons were legally obtained. He had a couple of these cheap devices which convert semi-automatic weapons into the ability to effectively fire like a machine gun. Some people are saying, well, what we need to do now is this is the call to ban these type of firearms altogether. Not just banning the bump stocks, not banning the things that you attach to the trigger to turn them into a Gatling gun. Do we really want to ban all semi-automatic weapons? My re- my response is no. This is, again, it is a bridge too far. The problem isn't the gun necessarily. The problem is these crazy people who decide to act out in this sort of fashion. How do you get the guns that are already out there off the street? Are you going to confiscate them? That makes no sense to me. Now, if you want to look at some of these methods that people use to convert a legal gun into an illegal gun and say we shouldn't make it easy for them to do that, well, that's something I think I would be at least open to listening to. Let's talk to Ted and Racine. Ted, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, uh, bottom line, basically, you know, they want our gun. They want them. And uh, good luck, lefties. But anyway, the bump stock was... Uh, seem legal under the Obama administration. So I don't really understand this. I mean, it's no surprise, but the hypocrisy on the left side is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I guess, and again, I don't, I mean, I, I've never seen one of these things operate. I've seen the videos now that, that it's getting all this attention. And, and I will tell you, I, I look at something like that and I say, all right, if you're not illegally allowed to own a machine gun, why should for 40 or 50 bucks you be able to buy something that turns a legal weapon into a machine gun? I mean, I, I'd at least be open to, to saying, okay, maybe we really don't need these type of things out on the street, you know? Yeah, I mean, as far as uh, a full auto or select fire, um, 
It's in the trigger assembly. It's not in the bump stock. It uses the inertia from right. the recoil. That's, I mean, it's right, so yeah, a I mean, totally different operating system. Well, well right, yeah, right, exactly. But, I mean, the effect of this is to turn the legal gun to allow it to fire in a rapid-fire fashion. It, and so it effectively fires as a machine gun would. So, I mean, again, I'm, I'm at least open to, to looking at those sort of things because you say, okay, why, why does the average citizen need to convert – all right, the semi-automatic rifle into something that's going to fire as if it were a machine gun. George in Brookfield. George, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me on your sure. show, Jeff. Um, I've been a, I'm 50 years old. I've been a Wisconsin hunter since I was 14. I, I have five or six guns myself, but I am definitely not a, not a supporter of the NRA. And the one key item that has rarely gotten mentioned that it doesn't you you don't need an assault rifle to make a gun semi-automatic or fully automatic ruger has a gun that you can use for small game hunting it's a 22 but you can go out and purchase at any sporting goods store a 50 round clip to add to that gun and ever since i passed my hunter safety course i have never seen any need why a hunter needs a clip that holds 25 or even 50 bullets that if, if the magazines are cut down to either three or five, that can definitely save a lot of lives. That if, if I were to be in favor of any legislation, it would be to stop manufacturing clips that the public can buy that can hold five or more bullets and um, at least make it more difficult for something like this to happen. I even said that. Even if you pass that legislation now, something like this could happen, you know, five, ten years from now. But if maybe clips were stopped, if that production was stopped 25, 30 years ago, maybe something like this wouldn't have happened to this. Because that was going to be my question. What would you do? There, there are there are millions, I would guess, of clips that are out there now that, that you know, capable of carrying ammunition, you know, 10 rounds, 20 rounds, all those things. You, you wouldn't be in favor of trying to confiscate those. I would be. You would be. Okay. Is is it worth a life okay. to try? Would you apply? Something? Would you apply that? For example, I own a. Um, I have a. I have a nine millimeter handgun. Um, would you yep. apply this to handguns as, as well? Because my clip is. I, I think. I think it's nine. I think is what it has. Yeah, in it. I've, I've got a. I've got a twenty two that has a, a ten shot clip. Right. I, I'd be happy to give it up. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate. Okay. It. I don't. I guess I just. I, I don't. I don't see that. I, I don't see that as happening. Um, you know, can, can you argue, do you need a clip that has 20 rounds in it? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of people who, for example, don't use their, their rifles or don't use their handguns for, for hunting. They, they use them for target practice and things like that. And, and the idea that you're going to go out and, and again, keep in mind, that's, that's how most people, the, the vast, that's how 99.99999% of the people who use firearms do it. I mean, you're, you're out there, you're at a shooting range, you're practicing with your gun, you're getting enjoyment, you're doing that type of stuff. And, and if the idea is you're going to have to be reloading every couple shots, that's going to end up being, I think, a, a nuisance. Is it worth taking away these larger clips um, where the, the truth of the matter is, all right, so let's say you limit the clip to five. Well, all right, people are still going to be, you know, reloading and reloading and reloading if you've got somebody that wants to fire off that many shots. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Laura in Sheboygan. Laura, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Laura. Well, I, I'm i with you on getting rid of the way to convert 
weapons to being fully automatic. I didn't yeah. know that existed. That's kind of nuts. Um, yeah, I, I got to tell you, I didn't. I, I mean, I, I don't. Again, I don't. I don't frequent those type of things. It's never tried to. I've never occurred to me to try to take my my little my handgun and figure out can I figure out a way to get this to fire like <laughs> it's a machine gun or or a rifle. So I, that that's something I think that you could at least look at and say, okay, why do we really need that? But I'm sorry, go ahead and make your larger point. Well, my larger point is, no matter what we do, whatever actions are taken legislatively or whatever petitions we make, the problem is deeper than guns. We're a broken world. We're a fallen world. We need Jesus is, is the, the core of it. We've got to change the souls. We can make these little tweaks, but yeah. until we get to the larger issue of what's going on in, in humanity, we're not going to be able to, to stop these horrible things from happening. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and you, you just you just wonder what's in the heart. I mean, I, I don't think we're ever going to know what the right. real motive of this guy in Las Vegas was. And, and I think that's that that's a troubling thing, and it's a scary thing. But you wonder what does get into somebody's heart and mind that you would go out and you'd do something like this. Right. And, I think, and yeah. we'll probably end up losing some rights because of this, either restrictions on the Second Amendment, Amendment or maybe even mental health screening. Um, people are going to have to give up their their fundamental rights. Well, I think also, kind of. I mean, hotels, I, I mean, I would be shocked if you do not see um, a, a, a more intrusive security screening every time we go into hotels. Now, I mean, so again, it's yeah. it's going to there's going to be that degree of inconvenience. Now, thanks for calling because you know we're going to be trying to prevent this in the future. I, I guess I understand that the knee jerk reaction is okay. Try to take away the firearms. I'm not just sure. I'm sure that that just doesn't work. Here's a note from Tom in West Bend. Jeff, first of all, the idea of banning semi-automatics is ridiculous. Just to put things in perspective, in Wisconsin alone, there are over six hundred thousand deer hunters. Of those hunters alone, I'm guessing that most of them possess at least two or three semi-automatic rifles, from high-power hunting rifles to AR-15s to 22 caliber semi-automatics. That would equate to 1.2 to 1.8 million semi-automatics out there owned just by hunters. Then there is, in my opinion, another half million non-hunters that own semi-automatic rifles as well. It's a non-starter to think that these law-abiding gun owners are going to give up their guns. Just saying. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation next. Next, it's 8.53. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 8.56. This is Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. Big story number one, is this a justification for banning semi-automatic weapons? I, I think not. I, I do think some of these modifiers deserve to be looked at. Patrick in New Berlin writes me a note saying, the reason you have bump stocks is it makes it easier for disabled people to participate in activities like hunting and all. And that, that may well be the case. But Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, good morning. You're at 6.20 WTMJ. Uh, good morning. Uh, basically, the reason why I called in is because I own uh, more than a few of these devices, um, and I told your call screener, you do not need these items to make your gun simulate a, a, a fully automatic rifle. Mm-hmm. You can hold this, the gun to your side, and you can call, it's called bump firing. Right. And anybody that has a, has a, a semi-automatic rifle knows about this. Right. So the, these devices mostly are for what the call, previous caller said, for people who are disabled, who have arthritis, who have problems. Um, none of this is going to change anything. It all comes down to the people and, and the fact that they have some type of underlying mental illness and the fact 
that nobody said anything about this guy bringing all these freaking guns into his hotel room. Well, I, I mean, said- I think that's a fair question. I, I, I will be fascinated to see the security video. I mean, I, I think some one of the reports I said, I said I saw said he had like ten suitcases or something. I'd be wondering if anybody watched him getting you know suitcase a uh, suitcase out of the car and why nobody did anything. That's why what I've been wondering. Something's not right here. I think there's a lot of uh, dropping the ball at very uh, uh, important integrals into. But, but into at this. the same time, Tony, uh, and, and I appreciate you. You own a couple of these bump stocks. What, if if the effect of these is to take a legal weapon and effectively make it fire like a machine gun, why do you need them? Well, let's put it this way: it's a lot of fun. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I pay my taxes. I've never been convicted of a crime. And it's very enjoyable to me. I have a lot of fun doing it. I take my my niece shooting. She enjoys it. Um, people no, we're like not me, talking about well, shooting. We're not talking about just shooting. You you enjoy like effectively getting the the effect of a of a machine gun by by yeah. using this device. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I I I mean I could I could I could achieve it without the device. But mm-hmm. I, I I'm I'm getting older. My, my I've got arthritis in my hands. Mm-hmm. This helps helps that. Okay. So I can I can do a lot more shooting. With less firing of of my finger, it's it's easier right. on my body physically. Right. No, That's I, why I I like it. Okay, well, I, I appreciate that input, and I, I guess, and and see, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Where if you if put the rifle in a different, and you you I mean, you can fire in a rapid fire fashion by just continually pulling the trigger. I mean, if you've got, I mean, anybody's got that's got a semi-automatic pistol, for example, you you can you can fire those shots extremely quickly. And I mean, I I understand that there's all sorts of legitimate reasons for why somebody might want to have one of these devices that converts again a legal weapon into effectively an illegal weapon. And I understand that most of the people who do that are going to do it for exactly the purpose you were talking about. Hey, it's fun. I, I like to have this. At the same time, I do understand this argument that says if you're going to, if you can't buy a machine gun legally, should you for $40 be able to devise some device that turns your legal gun into an illegal gun? And I guess those are the types of things I will defend with my life, your Second Amendment rights to own firearms. I think trying to ban semi-automatic weapons is, is a fool's errand. At the same time, I think we do have to be able to be willing to look at some of this stuff and say, do you really need this? Okay, big story number two is coming up. President Trump in Puerto Rico. And as you know, there's going to be a lot of criticism. Stick around. It's 908, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So I'm still kind of getting over this cold. and I was looking forward to sitting down last night, hunkering down. I was going to watch the first uh, the wild card playoff game, you know, between the Yankees and the Twins. And, and I started watching it. And I tell you, I, I gave up on it because it was four hours long. The game started a little after 7 and ended a little before 11. This this is a huge problem for baseball, for the average fan. Now, if you're a Yankees fan, okay, maybe you're going to watch every pitch. If you're a Minnesota Twins fan, maybe you're going to watch every pitch. But but who who else has the patience for a four-hour game? Now, I understand it started out... The, the Yankees pitcher only made it through a third of an inning. The Minnesota Twins pitcher only made it through like two and a third innings. So, I mean, there were constant pitching changes and things like that. But this is a huge issue for baseball. And I understand the purists out there say, well, we love this. It's just tremendous. You know, you don't want to change the game. I, I'm just telling you, for a general audience, casual fans, people don't have the patience, at least I don't have the patience, to sit on a Tuesday night and watch a game involving teams 
that even though it's a play-in game and there's, even though there's drama, that's going to last four hours. Um, I, I have friends who are, are really into soccer, and I, I kind of watch the English Premier League soccer games early on Saturday mornings and all, and for everybody that complains about how boring soccer is, at least at least with soccer, there, there's if there's a beginning period and end period. The clock runs continuously. There's two 45-minute halves. Maybe you've got a little bit of what they call stoppage time for injuries, but, but essentially it's two hours. You know, you commit two hours with halftime, and, and you know that you're able to get on with your day. These games that last interminably long, I, I just, you know, I don't know what baseball ends up doing with them, but again, this game last night bordered on four hours long, and even if you were a baseball fan, it just kind of wore you down. I'd be surprised to know how many people were able to actually sit through the entire thing. Just saying. All right. Big story number two, and this is a follow-up to something we talked about on yesterday's show. President Trump goes to Puerto Rico. Now, everybody understands that over the course of the last several weeks, um, the, the United States has been hit hard by natural disasters. You had the hurricane that hit Texas that just... Um, dumped, what, you know, 50, 60 inches of, of rain in a limited period of time on Houston, all that massive flooding. Then you had, a week or so later, you had the massive hurricane that hit Florida, took out, I mean, really devastated a couple of the keys, swung up the, the Gulf side. Thankfully, the devastation wasn't worse, but it was really, really bad. So you've got the federal emergency management people, FEMA, you know, they're dealing with Houston, they're dealing with Florida, and then on the heels of those two natural disasters comes, you know, the hurricane that, that hit Puerto Rico and really pretty much devastated Puerto Rico. No power to the entire island. As it stands now, I think what the most recent numbers I saw were still like 85% of the power doesn't have, uh, the island doesn't have power because the infrastructure has been destroyed. It is an island, so you can only get to it either by air, but that was a problem for the longest time since, because since there was no power, there's no radar, you couldn't fly planes in there. A number of the ports were destroyed, so you couldn't get shipping in there, and even once you got stuff to the island, the the infrastructure, the roadways were destroyed or impassable. So even if you could somehow figure out a way to fly stuff in or get it in by ship, you, you still couldn't get it across the island because of the massive devastation. So a number of people, and they've been complaining that the Trump administration was slow to respond to this, and there, there's this element of implied racism that this wouldn't have happened in Florida, it wouldn't have happened in, in Texas, it, it only happened because it was Puerto Rico, not recognizing the logistical challenge that a devastating hurricane like this has in trying to deal with Puerto Rico, and also, I, I think, failing to recognize that you know, even though we are the United States of America, you've got the federal emergency management uh, system, which is, you know, really, okay, it's Houston, and then it's Florida, and now it's Puerto Rico. So into that flies President Trump yesterday. And again, these these appearances by elected officials, um, a lot of times they're, they're show pony stuff. I mean, you know, what, what's President Trump going to do? Is he going to go out there with a bulldozer and clear, you know, roadways or try to help rebuild ports? No, but it, but it's an idea. It's a way of trying to show, hey, we we care about this. We're paying attention. You are on our radar screen. So he arrives in Puerto Rico yesterday, and. As you might expect, a number of the usual suspects are out there with the long knives. Let me share with you a portion of the coverage of this um, from the Washington Post. 
President Trump arrived in Puerto Rico on Tuesday as the territory struggled to recover from Hurricane Maria, which left nearly all of the island without power and most residents without water nearly two weeks later. Mr. Trump's focus was on the unbelievable and incredible job that his administration has done so far. He repeatedly played down the destruction to the island, telling local officials they should be very proud they haven't lost hundreds of lives like in a real catastrophe like Hurricane Katrina along the Gulf Coast in 2005. He also explained that the small territory's disaster threw the nation's budget a little out of whack. Um, At a brief stop at a church, Trump told the gathering that they no longer needed flashlights as he tossed rolls of paper towels into the crowd as if they were basketballs. He took a helicopter tour. He visited a ship. He posed for selfies. And then he left an hour earlier than scheduled. Um, And so the article goes on. But you can tell from that what what the tone of this is. Uh, Here's Trump. He he shows up in Puerto Rico. Um, He's completely clueless as to the nature of the devastation. He's praising his administration for doing an unbelievable an incredible job, again, completely and totally tone deaf, and then he leaves an hour earlier. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I will be the first to acknowledge that I think on on many occasions, President Trump's response is is awkward. I mean, maybe that was, I, somebody used that word with me this morning, I, awkward, um, as far as, okay, do the people in Puerto Rico want to hear that the administration's focus was on an unbelievable and incredible job that, that they have done, as opposed to when are we going to get power back? So I, I understand sometimes the tone is, in fact, awkward. I also understand that, you know, saying only 16 people have died, and actually the death total is now up to like 34, as opposed to 1,800 in Katrina, um, that might be accurate, but at the same time, People who are living in Puerto Rico who do not have power and don't have running water, they don't necessarily want to hear that, hey, we're lucky that only 34 people died instead of 1,600 or 1,800. So I understand, again, the style, I think in some cases, gets in the way of the message. Having said that, though, and I've really been thinking about this since we talked about it briefly yesterday, given all the logistics, and it's really, really, really easy to second guess and to say, well, okay, maybe somebody called up yesterday and said, well, I, I think once the word was that this uh, hurricane was going to hit, they should have had a relief ship already underway. And uh, maybe you can go back and second guess things like that. But given the logistical challenges that FEMA has, and given the nature and the incredible length of destruction in Puerto Rico, I really don't know that there is too much more that could have been done that is not being done. It is just this is a situation where the hurricane has caused devastation on an unimaginable scale. Did we leave Puerto Rico in the lurch? Did we betray them? Or is this just a situation where there's only so much you can do given the nature of how bad the destruction was. 414-799-1620. And candidly, again, look, you know, President Trump says some awkward things. But when you look at the actions of the administration, I honestly don't know that there's too much more that could have been done or could be done that isn't being done. 414-799-1620. We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is big story number two. It's 917. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 920. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I I think it is fair to say, you know, President Trump was not as empathetic as he could have been yesterday 
um, when he was addressing people in Puerto Rico. I, I don't think empathetic is necessarily in his nature, though. But but cutting through that, if you want to look at the relief efforts that are underway, I'm not reasonably sure You know what more could have been done given the nature of the devastation. And I, I honestly do believe we have come a long way when it comes to dealing with natural disasters since the days of Hurricane Katrina. Adam in Mequon. Adam, you're at 620 WTMJ. Uh, hey, good morning. Hi, Adam. Um, you know, you make the comment that you don't know what more could be done. You know, the, the pattern that I see with the president is that he comes out with these very blanket statements, and he doesn't really talk specifically about what is being done. Mm-hmm. So I followed this, and I followed the president uh, throughout, you know, the first nine months of his presidency, and it's a pattern. There is no detail. There is no substance to what he says. And if, indeed, all is being done, uh, what are the details? Um, because I watched, and I read that same article, and I watched the news last night, and I saw some of his comments, and they're certainly awkward at the least. Um, but I just yeah, empath- He is not big on empathy. I think we could both agree on that. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. But, but, but I think the point is, is what is being done? Mm-hmm. Do we know? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll tell you where you can start. I, I know that, for example, there are about twelve thousand five hundred um, FEMA people that are on the ground in Puerto Rico. A hundred percent of the airports are open. Ninety-two percent of the deep water ports have now been opened in the last two weeks. Ninety-four percent of the hospitals uh, are open. Um, the problem, the big problem is they only still have about 5% of the island that has electricity. Um, but that's just because of the damage to, to the infrastructure. So, I mean, there's, there's people on the ground. They're working on things. It, would, would the president have been better, perhaps, in saying, okay, this is what we've done. Boom, 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 boom. Instead of simply saying we're doing an unbelievable job. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably how I would have handled it. But, I mean, do you think there's something that we should have done that we didn't do? No, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that. Um, right. I, I think the point is is that uh, he's probably not getting a fair shake uh, because he is so abrupt, he's yeah. so difficult, he's very self-centered, and um, yeah. he shouldn't get a break. Yeah, no, there, right. Yeah, I get it. And again, I'm, again, I just, what, what I try to do is, and, and sometimes it is difficult. I, I concede. I, I've, I've been saying this since President Trump took over. In many respects, I think he is his worst enemy with the, the stuff on Twitter and things like that. And I understand that some Trump supporters that just love the fact that he fires back at this. I, I mean, for example, I, I said over the weekend, I don't understand why you would get in a peeing match with the mayor of Port, with the, the, the mayor of San Juan. All right. Um, she, Clearly, did, did she lash out at him? Yes. Did she have a political purpose? Probably, yes, she, she perhaps did. But at the same time, okay, you're, you're dealing with this island that's been devastated. Just, just kind of let it go. The president, on the other hand, you know, he, he can't let anything go, and he has to respond to these things. And, and honestly, I think that gets... I think that that message and the way the message gets delivered gets in the way of the message. And that's why, I mean, I'm trying to, to sort this stuff out, and I've been trying to look over the last two weeks at what has happened. And you see these comparisons. Well, it's, it, it's not Texas. It's not Florida. Well, at the same time, we're talking about an island. It, it's not like you can pile up trucks and you can get them to Houston or, you know, once the waters subside or, you know, you can fly in planes to you know, the airport because there's lots of Houston that, for example, that didn't lose power. The entire island of Puerto Rico, the entire electrical system, the whole power grid has been destroyed and it's going to take not days, not weeks, 
but probably months to be able to rebuild that. When you're on an island and the airports are destroyed and they're not open and 100% of the deep water ports where the ships would come in, they're not functional. You, You do have certain limitations. And I get the fact that if you are in Puerto Rico, and you're sitting there, and you don't, you can't turn, you don't have drinkable water coming out of the taps, and you don't have electricity, and it's 95 degrees with 100% humidity. I understand how frustrating it must be, and I'm sure every day is an absolute eternity. I get all that. I, I just, I don't know that there is more under the circumstances that United States could have done, and I honestly. I think, like I said earlier, we've come a long way. I think FEMA is doing a pretty good job, especially given the fact that this is the third major disaster that we have had in the space of of just a few weeks. Okay, it's 925. Big story number three is coming up. If you are in Wisconsin, you want to be paying a lot of attention to this tax reform bill that is moving through Congress. Stick around. It's 927, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Scientists may have may have now figured out how to remove disease from embryos. How can this technology best be utilized? Scafidi and Billstat want to hear from you today at 1235. Be sure to check that out. Um, our text line just exploding on this. Let's see. Um, uh, Jim writes, from what has been shown on TV, the devastation is so bad that you basically have to start from scratch rebuilding the country. There's little communication available. Passable roads are rare. It will be a long process rebuilding. They're still rebuilding in the Houston area also. And that's correct. And and the truth is, you say, well, how can it take so long to get power down? Well, I mean, I think the, the power plants were taken out. And then the, the whole system, you know, when you've got the uh, above ground power lines, I mean, they're just... They're, they're just down across the island. It's just, it's incredible what the devastation was, this direct hit from the hurricane. Um, let's see, Mitch writes, taking into account the unprecedented timing of three devastating storms, the last one on an island a thousand miles away, the response by FEMA has been exemplary. Well, I mean, I think they're doing, they're doing the best they can. Um, uh, let's see another note. Uh, Jeff, my family, there is a need. They need water and food. I realize help might be there, but it's not reaching most affected up in the mountains. I know this for a fact. Trump's visit yesterday did nothing to help my relatives. Throwing paper towels to a few hungry and thirsty people accomplished absolutely nothing. And and I do, I, I'll be the first to acknowledge, I thought that was a weird optic where you're throwing paper towels into the audience and saying you don't need flashlights anymore on a country where 95% of the power is still out. I, if it had been me, I would have been explaining, this is what we're doing. We have X thousand electricians that are here, and this is the problem we face because 95% of, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this for the sake of argument, 95% of our power is above ground. All the, the power lines are down, so we're really in a position of essentially having to start over, and it's going to be a long process, and we're concentrating here, and we're moving on. That, that's how I would have handled it. So, I mean, I, I can see that the optics are are difficult. Having said that, though, given how devastating this is, there's only so much that you can do, and I think people do need to be patient. And I understand that's tough to say if you're sitting there and it's 90 degrees, and you don't have power, and you don't have running water. All right, big story number three is coming up. 
It's 935, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. With the calendar turning to October, wow, where did the summer go? The Packers and the NFL are partnering for a great cause off the field, and that includes us, the fans. Get the details today during Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Be sure to tune in at 320. Okay, big story number three. Um, they're in an effort to try to accomplish something. The Republicans in the control Congress are, are talking about tax reform. The president has come out with a, a proposal, at least a broad framework of a proposal, that would simplify taxes, would um, consolidate tax brackets, and theoretically would help people and would reduce the tax burden on the middle class. Okay, that, that's, that is in theory. The devil is always in the details. We, you know, we've talked with Paul Ryan on a number of occasions, and one of the things that he has always said is that when it comes to tax reform, any tax reform is going to be revenue neutral. What he means when he says that is that um, we're, we're going to figure out ways to pay for any tax cuts. So if we cut taxes to some group of people, we're going to have to increase taxes to others. So that that's going to be the idea. It is going to be balancing out. So that, that then becomes sort of a challenge. Now, in Wisconsin, we pay high property taxes. Um, there's no question about it. We, I think if you want to look at the way that, that the tax structure is set up, we have lots of stuff on our property taxes that most states don't have. So we have high property taxes that, that we pay. One of the things, for example, the city of Milwaukee, and Tom Barrett isn't the only mayor that's done this. Um, Tom Merritt, B- Barrett, John Norquist before him, what they started to do is instead of increasing property taxes, they would put fees on. Okay, you're going to pay a fee for the streetlights. You're going to pay a sidewalk fee, those type of things. Um, so they could say, hey, well, we've kept property taxes down. Well, not not really. They just, they've taxed you in a different way, um, but you're still paying the taxes. My beef with that was always for people who itemize. If you're filling out your taxes and you're not using the standard deduction, but that you itemize, well, you know, it makes more sense to have it on a a fee. Instead of having it as a separate fee, put it on the property tax because at least you can deduct the property taxes you pay from your federal income tax. Right? That's just kind of the way it worked. So in Wisconsin, you know, we pay high property taxes as a general rule, but you get to deduct those property taxes if you're able to itemize. Similarly, um, there are some states that do not have a state income tax. Wisconsin has a state income tax. You can, if you itemize, which is a lot of people, a lot of people who own homes, for example, itemize, you will be able to itemize. You get to deduct the state income tax that you've paid. Um, In this new budget proposal that is going through, those deductions would go away you would still be able to deduct mortgage interest that you pay on your house. You know, the the interest that you pay the bank every year, the the interest that you pay the bank every year on your home, you would still be able to deduct that. But you would lose the ability to deduct property taxes and to deduct state income taxes. In addition, your ability to make charitable deductions would be limited, not not completely eliminated, but but just eliminated, uh, but limited. But the, the big thing would be, for those of us who live in Wisconsin and who itemize, we would no longer be able to get tax write-offs for the property taxes we pay and the state income taxes we pay. This, the estimate is, 
by doing by doing this nationwide, um, you could you could generate somewhere around one point three trillion dollars over the next decade. So you're saying if you wonder, gee, where are we going to get this money to, um, I guess, give some people tax breaks? Well, the answer is a big chunk of it is going to be coming from taking away tax deductions from people, particularly people who live in high tax states or live in property tax states. And that would be us. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, the, the devil is always in, in the details, but it seems to me that if the way we are paying for tax relief is to take away take away deductions for those of us who itemize, take away your ability to write off your state taxes, take away the ability to write off your property taxes that you pay, and that's going to generate $1.3 trillion, I think, in general, most people in Wisconsin are going to end up with the short end of the stick. This is tax reform, which is going to greatly benefit people who already live in in the low-tax states. I mean, if you live in a state like what Florida or Nevada that, that doesn't have a state income tax, well, okay, what, what, what do you care? If you live in a state that has low property taxes, well, th- this is absolutely great because, once again, it doesn't affect you. But it seems to me that at least the way I understand this tax reform, it is going to be largely financed on the backs of people who live in states like ours who, again, depend on these write-offs to keep our taxes down. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I'm, I'm sure every situation is going to be different, but if I were advising Paul Ryan or Glenn Grothman or Sean Duffy or Ron Johnson or you know any of the other Republicans around this area before they decide, Mike Gallagher up in Green Bay, before they decide to get on board with this type of tax reform, I'd want to know really, really, really clearly how is this going to impact the average Wisconsinite? Yeah, hey, it might be great. We're going to consolidate these tax brackets a little bit. We're going to raise the standard deduction. Well, well, that's that's outstanding, and it sounds good, but my guess is for the majority of Wisconsinites, particularly those who itemize, which would be the people who pay the larger share of taxes regardless, th- this is not going to be a good deal. 414-799-1620. And that's why I think people need to go really carefully down this route. Like we always say, the devil is in the details. We're back to discuss in just a minute. It's 941. This is Jeff Wagner. And coming up in about 15 minutes, a local county supervisor is being criticized for a fundraiser. You want to hear the details of this. Stick around. 945, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in about 20 minutes, local county supervisor under fire for, and there's no pun intended with that, for a fundraiser she's having. We're going to talk about the appropriateness of that in just a couple minutes. Right now, we're looking at this tax reform proposal that's going through the federal government. The devil is in the details. $1.3 trillion is going to be generated by taking away your ability, when you, if you itemize your taxes, to deduct state taxes and to deduct local taxes or property taxes. In a high-tax state like Wisconsin, where we have a ton of money, uh, taxation is on the property tax and the state income tax, I think this is going to significantly hurt most homeowners, particularly homeowners who itemize. Now, Holly and Brown Deer, who is not just another pretty face, 
makes an interesting point. She writes, without the income and property tax deductions, many people won't have enough money, enough deductions to itemize deductions, so they're going to lose the benefit of the mortgage interest and charitable deduction as well. That That's a very good point, because you need a certain amount if you take away the ability to write off property taxes or state taxes, and you're left just with the mortgage interest thing, you're probably not even going to be able to qualify to itemize, so you're going to be even worse off. Let's talk to Walt in Manitowoc. Walt, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, my wife and I retired 10 years ago, and I've already t- contacted Glenn Grossman's office, and I would uh, encourage everyone, because when, you, when you're when you on Social Security, right. you, uh, this was passed back in 1986, that a a couple with an adjusted, a wealthy couple with an adjusted gross income of $32,000 or more will pay taxes on their Social Security. Right. So, uh, having, having said that, uh, we, over the last 10 years, we have to supplement our, right. our Social Security in order to, uh, take care of, uh, our, our live in a mm-hmm. in a uh, three bedroom fourteen hundred square foot ranch home and drive a decent vehicle and we itemize because of uh, you know you get to itemize right, sure. because of health and, and and your property taxes and all that sure yeah, absolutely and all, and all that and, and and so we are part of the middle class and. Yep. Uh, and there are people uh, that are retired uh, that haven't set aside money for retirement right. that won't have money to fall back on to take care of uh What's going, what's no, I, I'm with you, I mean, Walt. I, thanks for calling. I mean, I'm with you. I, as a matter of fact, I have a, a text from Justin who makes the same point. I agree that the Senate plan may well cause many of us in Wisconsin to pay higher federal income tax through a combination of the lost state income and property tax deductions not being adequately offset by the new higher standard deductions. That is what my concern is, and I think that's going to be especially true for middle-class homeowners, um, plus some getting pushed into a slightly increased tax bracket as the number of brackets is reduced. I've, and this is the point Walt was just making. I fear this will especially hit retirees with modest incomes but high property taxes and paying some state income tax. Yeah, I guess I would be really curious. And this is this is where I say to guys like Paul Ryan and guys like Mike Gallagher and Glenn Grothman and Jim Sensenbrenner and Sean Duffy, all right, I, I want to see tax reform done as well, but if it is going to come at the expense of citizens in Wisconsin, if once again we're going to end up getting screwed over because of this, my advice would be go carefully. Now, I understand there's always going to be some winners and losers, and my guess is if you um, if you don't – if you're not a homeowner, so you're not paying property taxes – um, anyways, you don't, you probably don't care. And so the fact that this is going to go away isn't going to necessarily impact you. And, and maybe you'll actually save a bunch of money. But what about the retirees, the people who 
are on the limited incomes. The people who still do itemize, though, because of the property taxes and the mortgage interest that they end up paying if they still owe money on their homes, what, a, what about taking that away? What is the effect of that going to be? And that is my only point. You have to go very, very carefully. This is going to raise $1.3 trillion. My guess is that that, that $1.3 trillion is going to come disproportionately from people in states like Wisconsin. So my advice to the Republican congressman from Wisconsin would be, before we go too far down this road, before we get in bed with this taxpayer plan, let's figure out, you know, are there going to be winners and losers in Wisconsin? And if this, if it's this, if middle class homeowners end up being the losers, maybe you got to figure out a different way to pay for any sort of tax reform that you might want to have. The other issue is, all right, what is it going to do to the real estate you know market? For example, how how do home resellers? What is the real estate market if you all of a sudden you take away the ability to write off your property taxes? What what is that going to do? for the sale of homes. I mean, that's one of the big things, I think, selling points, especially for medium-priced and higher-priced homes. It's, hey, you, you get the property tax deduction. That help, helps offset your payments. Do we really want to take this um, Do we really want to take this away? Dave in Green Bay, Dave, Green Lake, I'm sorry. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, well, I was under the impression that he's, like, doubling the standard deduction. Do you know if that's true? They're, they're raising the standard deduction, I and, and it, they're raising the standard deduction. I'm not sure if they're doubling it. Okay. I was just wondering how that would compensate for the... Well, it, well, it'll. I mean, there'll, there'll be some winners and there'll be some losers. I mean, I, if you if you're not a prop, and, and again, I, I, it, every situation is going to be different. But if you're not if you're not a property owner, you know, raising the standard deduction is going to be great if you don't have enough to itemize. If you are a property owner, though, and you're itemizing, I, I think most people are going to end up being losers on it. That's I mean, right. th- I mean, th- you got, thanks. I mean, you got to sit down. You got to do the math. Now, again, I, I mean, I, but, but for a lot of people. That that property tax and the state tax deduction is what gets you to itemize and it which gets you write-offs well above what the standard deduction would be. I think this clearly would force more people into standard deduction. And again, my guess is that for the middle class and upper middle class property owners um, or people that pay large amounts of property tax on their property – um, perhaps disproportionate amount of property taxes to their their income, you're going to end up being a, a loser. And that's why I say you got to go really, really carefully. If you lived in a low-tax state with no property tax or no state tax, this is clearly a great – this is the greatest thing since canned beer because I think almost everybody is going to end up being a winner. I don't think most people in Wisconsin who own homes and who itemize – I don't think they're going to come out ahead. It's 9.53. Big decision coming out of a circuit court yesterday. I'll tell you about that in three minutes. Stick around. It's 9.56. Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. Coming up in about 10 minutes, a county supervisor creates controversy with a fundraiser. What's the hubbub about? We will discuss. Stick around. Um, yesterday, matter of fact, I, I, as soon as this came out, I got the alert. I, I actually, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 6.20. I, I was offering my thoughts on this as soon as it, it happened. Um, Stephen Avery, who is, of course, the man convicted of the brutal murder of Teresa Hallbach a number of years ago, a man, in my opinion, 
documentary making a murderer notwithstanding is guilty as hell and deserves to spend the rest of his life behind bars. In any event, um, his attorneys, who seem, again, to believe that this is just some sort of injustice, that this murderer is behind bars, they filed a motion for a new trial yesterday. A Sheboygan County judge, her name is Angela Sutkowitz, who is overseeing the case. Um, She's handling this. She had an opportunity to look at all the different evidence that the attorneys for Avery presented saying, hey, this guy was railroaded, an innocent man is behind bars. And what she essentially said is, um, nope, I, I don't think so. She said, uh, look, I, I, I've, I've looked at this stuff and all the things that you have submitted simply do not meet the legal standard to receive a new trial. Um, there was this motion that said, and, and essentially what the judge said, which is correct, which is that um, you, you have th- these new scientific tests and, and new evidence that you claim, but all it is 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 a load of, of speculation and theories, and this could be the case, and that could be the case, and, and all these different things could happen, and the judge said, nope, um, you know, I, I looked at this DNA evidence and all this type of stuff, I looked at all the evidence that was admitted to trial, and given the totality of evidence submitted at trial, and the con- ambiguous conclusions stated in the defense's experts' reports, it cannot be said that a reasonable probability exists that a different result would be reached in a new trial on these reports. In other words, Stephen Avery, your butt continues to sit in prison where, at least in my opinion, it belongs. There will, of course, be appeals of this, and I understand that there's a new follow-up to the Making of a Murder documentary coming out, but um, bottom line is, I think, at least in this particular case, that justice continues to be done. And again, I sent out a, a tweet about that yesterday, so you can check it out. Follow me. It's um, at Jeff Wagner 620. Stephen Avery loses his motion for freedom. Brendan Dassey, his accomplice, Seventh Circuit, the entire Seventh Circuit is considering his appeal. Um, who knows when that decision could come out? It could be any day. It could be months from now. The Avery case, though, continues. But at least for the moment, Stephen Avery is going nowhere except... Again, wherever he can walk in the state prison where he is housed. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, a county supervisor in the crosshairs of a controversy. No pun intended. I'll tell you all about it. It's 959. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 10.08, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, Journal Sentinel, columnist Dan Bice, who's, I, I actually, I like Dan. I, I, I like him, but ever since David Clark has left town, Dan is probably struggling to find stuff to, to write about because um, he, he and Clark, they had some epic sort of battles going back and forth. So Bice has turned his attention to a fundraiser being put on by Milwaukee County Supervisor Deanna Alexander. Now, Deanna Alexander is... Unique among Milwaukee County supervisors in the fact that she is one of the few conservatives that are on the Milwaukee County board. If you ever look at the crazy things that the Clown Car Act, that is the county board, does, you will notice a lot of times that the vote will be, there will be two or three people that vote against it. And it'll be, you know, Deanna Alexander normally um, very, very fiscally responsible. But she she comes under a lot of fire 
because, again, she is a conservative. And in Milwaukee County, you know, conservatives just don't get elected to particular positions. So anyhow, here's the piece, and the Journal Sentinel has this. Let me share with you a portion of the column by Dan Bice that appears on the Internet. Two days after the deadliest mass shooting in modern American history, Milwaukee County Supervisor Deanna Alexander announced a campaign fundraiser next week hope you're sitting down, at a Brookfield indoor shooting range in support of her hitting the target by getting reelected. Multiple firearms will be available, and whether you are experienced or a beginner, trainers and safety officers will be available to assist you in learning about the range, firearm safety, and providing tutorials on shooting and target techniques. Alexander wrote on Facebook about the October 14th event at the Wisconsin Firearms Training Center. Donors are encouraged to give up to $1,045 to attend the event. Alexander suggests a minimum donation of $75. Uh, State Representative Dale Kuyenga, a Brookfield Republican, is the special guest. Um, One notice about the fundraiser went up on Tuesday morning. So she's having a fundraiser, and she's having it at a shooting range. And people who want to go and fire guns, they will be able to do this. Training and safety officers will be there. There will be people giving you tutorials. Um, All right, let's see. Leaders of the liberal Wisconsin Working Families Party called on the conservative supervisor to cancel the event. Somebody named Rebecca Lynch, political director for the group, said it showed poor judgment for Alexander to post the fundraiser on one of her Facebook pages Tuesday, all because of, again, what happened in Las Vegas with the crazy guy who was engaged in the shooting. Alexander, vice writes, is not backing down. She suggested that it's Lynch's group that's one is out of line. Their politicizing of the Vegas tragedy to deter law-abiding citizens from learning more about safe and responsible use of firearms is divisive and disrespectful. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You had this horrible situation in Las Vegas on Sunday night. Now you have a Milwaukee County supervisor who has apparently arranged this, I think, for a couple weeks and appears to be going ahead with a fundraiser that is going to be held at a Brookfield gun range um, where people, if you want, under, I mean, safe handling and under supervision, you can shoot firearms. Is this somehow in bad taste? Is this something that should have been canceled? Is this something that the lefties in Milwaukee County have every right to be appalled about? Or is this a complete and total nothing burger of a story? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, my take on this, while we're lining up the phone calls, uh, there's, there's no such thing as a slow news day anymore. And I understand that sometimes you have these knee-jerk reactions to things, but I don't think County Supervisor Deanna Alexander has anything to apologize for at all. I actually don't even think – sometimes you get to situations where, you know, the optics are are bad. I don't even think the optics in this are bad. She's not talking about endorsing, you know, crimes of violence. She is talking about – my guess is there are people going out today to gun ranges – Um, There are sportsmen's clubs. There are people that are going out and doing trap shooting and things like that. What are we supposed to do? Close down every firearm store? Close down every shooting range because you had some nut in Las Vegas that was going out and and shooting? 
Um, 414-799-1620. I think the Anna's Alexander has absolutely nothing to apologize for. If you want to criticize her for being a conservative, that's fine. But to criticize her for having a fundraiser, for going ahead with a fundraiser that's scheduled at the gun range, I think is silly. 414-799-1620. What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Um, it's 1013. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1016, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, um, County Supervisor Deanna Alexander, who's one of the handful of conservatives on the county board, she has scheduled a fundraiser that's going to be at, at a Brookfield gun range. Um, the, the way it is, this is the way it's built. Multiple firearms will be available, and whether you're experienced or beginning, trainers and safety officers will be available to assist you in learning about the range, firearm safety, and providing tutorials on shooting and target techniques. So you're going to be able to you know, go out, and as part of this fundraiser, you can actually, heaven forbid, under supervision, shoot firearms. And she is being denounced. This is a story that they're writing about in the newspaper. Oh, can you believe how insensitive she is? This just happened in Las Vegas, on, and you're having a fundraiser at a gun range. I don't think she's doing anything wrong at all. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're first. Good morning. Hey, uh, good morning, Jeff. I think she's absolutely right. You were getting the, uh, after this, uh, every time something like this happens, you get a barrage of everyone take everyone's guns away or whatever, and... There's no voice for the people that want responsible gun ownership and safety procedures. And uh, we need someone like this to bring up the other side of sane people. Well, well, yeah. I mean, my guess is she she's trying to appeal. Now, I don't know who the fundraising who this was sent for, but she sent for people who are law-abiding firearms owners who might like to go out and you know go to a gun range. Should they be apologizing for that? Should everybody who owns a firearm feel guilty because you had some nut in Las Vegas that acted out like he did? I mean, I, really, Mike. I mean, th- this just strikes me as being just incredibly silly. This is a complete and total nothing burger of a story i don't even think the optics of this are bad no thank uh, right yeah yeah thank no thanks for call. i mean again it's it, it's 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 not i mean if you want to tell you want to talk about politicizing this i i think if you want to find stuff that i thought really was appalling you know you look at some of the stuff that came out from elizabeth warren and hillary clinton you know before the bodies or almost before the bodies were picked up in las vegas denouncing the nra and and again i'm i'm not a stooge for the nra i have issues with them but you know you you look at some of the the calls for for gun control and the efforts to politicize this you know again in the immediate aftermath of the shooting that's the bad optics those are the people that i think should in many cases be ashamed of themselves here you have i mean is this would this be oh gee somebody died on the highways as a result of drunk driving uh, two or three days ago or two or three people were killed does that mean that you shouldn't be able to have a fundraiser where you serve beer i mean this is the equivalent of that to suggest that law-abiding citizens being able to shoot guns under appropriate supervision, that there's somehow that people should be apologizing for that? I mean, I just I just don't buy that at all. 414-799-1620. Mike in Jackson. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? I, I think she's perfectly right in what she's doing, but I think that she's doing it at an inappropriate time, I think she should... Uh, Postpone it for a couple weeks or two or three weeks so this thing settles down. Well, t- tell me why. Uh, well, people are up in arms now about everybody having firearms, including my own wife. 
you know, she wants me to get rid of my guns. And uh, I said, no. I says, it's a principle. The whole whole thing is a principle. Well, I, I mean, I guess... I'm, she is doing nothing wrong. No, no, she isn't, Mike. I, and I, I agree with you. I mean, but I don't, I don't understand the point of, of holding it off for a couple of weeks. I mean, this is... All right, the big... You have the big company, Delta Defense, uh, out in, in West Bend, which, you know, aggressively promotes firearm education, things like that. Should they should they close their doors and, and lay off all their employees for two weeks or four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks? I mean, it, it it's not like anybody is celebrating mass murder. I mean, guns. Fi- OK, you, you've got 600,000 deer hunters, you know, in Wisconsin, you know, most of whom I think probably own one or more firearms. I don't know. Should they? Not clean those guns. Should they not go out and, and, you know, if you like to target shoot or something like that, should all the gun ranges in the state close down because of what happened in Las Vegas? I, to me, it's a complete disconnect. Unless, of course, I mean, I, I understand that there's people out there who are, are the gun haters and, oh, this is just terrible. And there's people out there who don't like the fact that you have the people who are firearms owners have some degree of political clout. I mean, I just see a complete and total disconnect here between oh my gosh you had a shooting in las vegas and she's going to have a fundraiser at a gun range i mean other than the fact that he had a firearm and people will be able to shoot firearms beyond that what what is the connection at all to this 414-799-1620 let's talk to marty in sheboygan marty you're at 620 wtmj good morning good morning jeff um i think it's much ado about nothing which i guess Brings me to my point of, I guess I'm not sure why this is even being covered, um, mm-hmm. because all of it does is it incites both sides. Um, you know, if this story is not even given the time of day, you know, you let the left say what they need to, and then the right doesn't, those that don't even know about it uh, don't have to hear about it and, and mm-hmm. get upset about it. And I just think we're at a point in our country and with so many things that in order to sell a newspaper or a journalistic story or airtime or whatever, you know, we look for things that get clicks and um, get people's attention and mm-hmm. just let these people say what they need to and the story goes nowhere. Um, people don't know anything about it. I guess that it, to me this is just a waste of time. And well, I mean, I, I think as the story goes, I mean, I agree with you, Marty. I mean, it's a nothing burger. I'm looking at the headline though, and this will, this is all over the journal. And and, and again, I it's, I mean, it, it's it's freedom of the press. You get to cover these type of things. Um, my guess is this will be in the you know dead tree edition of the paper tomorrow, but all over the internet. Dan Bice, county supervisor, defends campaign fundraiser at shooting range days after Las Vegas massacre. Now, you you want to talk about a charged headline? You're right. That's going to get clicks. It's going to get readers. I mean, it certainly. I mean, acknowledge it caught my attention. Um, and I, w- I was wondering, I mean, like I said, candidly, if you want to be offended about something, I would be more offended about Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton and some of the other people who, in the immediate aftermath of the shooting, decided to politicize this to advance some of their particular you know, gun control type of aims, many of which had nothing to do with the shooting. That, to me, I think is equally, if not more outrageous than the fact that this county supervisor has a fundraiser that is scheduled for a gun range that I think was probably, I'm sure, was scheduled well in advance of this particular shooting. But again, it's 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 a disconnect. I mean, if you were 
planning a trip to Potawatomi. Should you cancel it because, well, gee, the guy was a gambler. You know, the, the guy that did this, you know, he was he played video poker and they said $10,000 a day. That means, you know, I don't know if you were planning to go down and play a video poker machine. Would you be endorsing that? I mean, again, I think, again, it's a complete nothing burger of story. If you want to talk about issues related to gun control, that's fine. If you want to praise or criticize Supervisor Alexander based on her conservative positions on the board, that that's fine. But she's... Gee, she's having a fundraiser at a gun range where people can shoot off firearms under supervision. Oh, oh, the humanity of it. How terrible would that be if you are an elected official and you've agreed to talk to one of these firearms-related groups? Should you pass on that because of this? The answer is, of course not. 1024, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1026, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's see. It's an extended break, but just how healthy can we expect the Packers will be come kickoff Sunday in Dallas? Greg Matzik shares the latest injury report tonight during Sports Central, live from Lambeau Field, beginning at 6 o'clock. All right. Now, the Packers game is, of course, 325 kickoff on Sunday. It is the Fox Lake game. As a matter of fact, I just sent out a tweet about this. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, the fact that it is on Fox means, and it's the late game, means once again that we are going to be Joe Bucked. We are going to be stuck with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Um, so there, there, here, here's what you have to do. I'm just giving you advance notice. Figure out you know, where you can watch the game, that it's going to be synced up to the radio broadcast. Listen to Wayne and Larry. Do yourself a favor. Do not allow yourself to be bucked once again. But um, we're going to... We're going to be stuck with them. I actually sent out the uh, the tweet um, uh, about that, just notifying you a little bit of advance warning. I will tell you something. Um, the, the last couple of weeks, I, I've been watching, and you had the Packers game. We have Tony Romo and, and Jim Nance, and they're now the number one team on uh, on uh, on CBS. They do a great job. Uh, Nance, fair commentator, not like Joe Buck. And I'm telling you, Tony Romo, it's amazing. You know, he's telling you the plays they're going to run in advance. He can look at the formations. He actually knows what he's talking about, not some has-been like Troy Aikman, um, who will go and he will continue to. This is going to be the Cowboys game. So, I mean, if Buck and Aikman are insufferable in general, imagine how they're going to be when they're with, Joe, uh, with Troy Aikman's beloved Cowboys. So, anyways, if you want to avoid getting bucked this weekend, just figure out where you can go to sync the TV up with the the radio broadcast, and for God's sake, turn the sound down. Um, just a couple uh, more thoughts on what we were talking about, the, the Deanna Alexander fundraiser. Let's see. Jim and Racine writes, Jeff, this is simply poor timing. Jason Aldean, who was playing at the time of respect for the uh, victims, has canceled his next two weeks of performance. Okay, oh, I understand. Well, that's, that's Jason Aldean. He was the performer. You don't. He was the performer at the shooting. You don't have, it's not like every concert venue across the country and every performer has decided we're not going to go on stage out of respect for the shooting. I mean, Jason Aldean was in the center of this, so I I understand why he would feel it necessary or think it appropriate to take that particular thing. But again, you you don't hear Las Vegas shutting down. You don't hear all the different shows and all the performers who are touring across the country saying, we're going to show, out of show of respect, we're not going to perform. That, to me, is the same thing as saying, gee, you know, we've got gun ranges that are open all across the the country. We're going to close down all the gun ranges. We're going to close down all the gun shops. We're going to say you can't have fundraisers that's to me just uh, it's just silly 
And I mean, I understand if you're looking for a reason to not like Deanna Alexander or you're somebody who's just kind of like continually freaked out about the fact, how, how can anybody go to a gun range and have a, uh, have a fundraiser? Well, there's lots of people that go to gun ranges on a regular basis. There's lots of sportsmen. There's lots of people that like the target shoot. And I think there's a complete and total disconnect between the two. Just saying. All right. Coming up in less than five minutes, there is a poll out. I do not believe the numbers. I want to find out what you think. Stick around. It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Here's another guy. I simply don't understand how he keeps the job he's in. Um, Terry Moran, who's the chief foreign correspondent for for ABC News. He's been – the guy is – over the top, an over the top left winger, and he used they, they bounced him off. He used to be the host of, of Nightline. Um, he he, for example, in January, he was the guy that um, this this is supposedly a news person um, compared Trump's inaugural address to not Nazi rhetoric, and he accused Trump's phrase of "America first being a loaded term requiring total allegiance to the United States carrying overtones of the 1930s when an anti-Semitic movement saying, we don't want to get involved in Europe's war, it's the Jews' fault in Germany, Charles Lindbergh led them, it's a term, the words itself carry very ugly echoes. So, okay, that shows you what a kook this guy who is the chief foreign correspondent for ABC News is. Gee, America first, I think that that's, that's, that's anti-Semitic. It's got racist overtones. Oh, my gosh, it, it goes back to the Holocaust. This is terrible. This is the way that the guy thinks. So after, you, you want to talk again about politicizing stuff. Um, before the blood is dry on the sidewalks in Las Vegas, he decides to take to Twitter and here's and this guy's here's here's what he does. He says a Muslim commits an atrocity. Right wing media instantly politicize it. Pass the travel ban. U.S. mass shootings. Don't talk about guns. Um, it's like okay, we're going to blast people. We're going to criticize people because gee, folks think that there needs to be a travel ban, and that's the same thing as saying to the left. Well, before you know, again, we we need to come out. We need to politicize gun control. I mean, give me a break. Now he's back at it again. Yesterday he came out with another one of of these tweets, and this is what he he tweets. Guns don't kill people. Americans with guns kill people in greater numbers, with greater malice and horror than anywhere else in the world. Okay. Guns don't kill people. Americans with guns kill people in greater numbers, with greater malice and horror than anywhere else in the world. Okay. I'm just going to speculate. Has this guy forgotten about the suicide bombers? Has this guy forgotten about the terrorists who, for example, put the, the giant bombs with pipes and stuff at the finish line of the Boston Marathon with the intent to kill and many as many people, women and children as they possibly can? Has he forgotten about the suicide bombers that wait outside the concerts so they can blow off these bombs with the idea of killing as many children as they possibly can? Now, again, I'm not, I mean, all, all this stuff is horrific. It is. And this crazy shooter out in Las Vegas, especially horrific as well. And he deserves to be denounced. And if there is a hell, and I certainly hope there is, you know, that's exactly where this guy would be. But this idea that, 
oh, you know, we, we have to use this to advance whatever our agenda is. And this idea that, well, gee, that this is it's Americans with guns that are, you know, they kill with the greatest malice and horror in the world. Well, okay, tell that to the kids that are coming out of the concert where you have the person that sets off the bomb designed to kill as many children as possible. I'm just saying it's just, but it is incredible what passes for some of this liberal mind think there. All right, let us switch gears. The national anthem controversy appears, I think, to be dying down. I think over the weekend you you had more and more teams that decided that they were going to stand for this. I think the National Football League owners recognize that this is not good for business and they want to put it behind them. I, I think um, that that's just the operative thing. And I think, you know, and again, it, it's again sort of jumping the shark. I believe the whole thing would have completely jumped the shark were it not for President Trump deciding to get into it, which then made this a we like Trump or we don't like Trump sort of issue. And you will never tell me that a lot of the orchestrated protests weren't designed as ways of saying we don't like President Trump as much as ways of saying everything else. In any event, and I I mentioned this briefly yesterday, but I want to open up the phone lines on this today. Um, There's a new poll out, and we know that polling nowadays, what's the word I'm thinking of? It sucks. All right, It's just, we see this with political polling, and it's been going on in the last several elections. It got worse in the 2016 election. There's just no reliability. The, the pollsters, the different models they set up, the things that they used to do just simply don't work. And there's a lot of reasons why they don't work. But the truth of the matter is, if you see a poll, it's kind of like, all right, kind of roll your eyes. Um, you can kind of go with your gut instinct as to whether you agree with it or not. But to believe that there's any sort of reliability, I just don't buy it. Plus, you have more and more polls out there that have, I believe, that they are agenda-driven. And they ask questions in order to get the result that they want. So anyhow, here's this poll. It was done by USA Today. And USA Today editorially has been a huge supporter of the protests by the NFL players. The columnists in USA Today have been almost, I want to say unanimous, and, and maybe maybe there's some column, and I look at it every day, maybe there's somewhere I missed, but as a general rule, the tone of the coverage in USA Today has been overwhelmingly sympathetic to the NFL players. How dare you step on their First Amendment rights, etc. Anyhow, poll that was released earlier this week, USA Today and Suffolk University, here's what it claims. It claims that the majority of Americans, 51 to 42 percent, say that they now believe the players' protests are appropriate. In other words, by a substantial margin, I mean, 9 percent is pretty big, they now think kneeling during the national anthem, engaging in the various activities they've done, the majority of America believes that those protests are appropriate. I don't believe this. I, I, matter of fact, I think it is exactly the opposite. I think the more attention this has gotten, the more and more the silent majority of America, not the people that live necessarily in Los Angeles, not the people that, you know, are the talking heads on the TV shows out of New York City, but I think the more and more mainstream America, the more and more they heard about these protests, the more and more they didn't like it. And you saw that, for example, you, you saw it at Lambeau Field last Thursday where, you know, the Packers have this thing where they want everybody to lock arms in unity and nobody in the stands or almost nobody in the stands 
locks arms. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Before this issue completely disappears, new polls suggest, or at least one new poll says, that we have had a sea change in our attitude, and now the majority of people support the players and their protests. I think this is hogwash. 414-799-1620. Have you changed your opinion on this? Are you with the players now? A majority of Americans, I don't buy it. 414-799-1620. Back with your calls in just a minute. It's 1042. It's 1047. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The wait is over. You can now purchase your tickets to this year's WTMJ Holiday Radio Show to benefit Kids to Kids Christmas. Coming up on November 27th at Turner Hall in Milwaukee, you can hear the brand new story of how WTMJ saves Christmas. You can see all your favorite voices as we appear on stage. You get to be in the live studio audience. Tickets are on sale right now. Head to papstheater.org today and hurry because they are already going fast. I mentioned that this is the third year we've done this, and it's it's a wonderful time. I can tell you for the the... the People who work here, we enjoy it a great deal. The The thing is sold out. It's in the same location as before, so there's a limited – it's upstairs at Turner Hall. There's there's a limited amount of space, um, and, and what always happens is a week or two before the event, I get calls and emails from friends and listeners and acquaintances saying, hey, hey Jeff, I, I, I didn't sign up. I didn't buy the tickets already. Uh, can I really want to go. Can you get them to me? And the, the answer is no, because it's not like we hold back stashes of hundreds and hundreds of tickets. You know, once they're gone, they're gone. I checked yesterday with our marketing director, and they went on sale on Monday. As of yesterday, about 50% of the tickets had been sold. And I'm not – this isn't, hey, you got to buy before midnight tonight. I'm just telling you, if you think you want to go, I would not delay. The tickets are only 25 bucks. A portion of that goes to Kids to Kids Christmas. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. If you've been there, I know – a lot of people that went the first year had a blast, came back the second year. So, again, it is November 27th, which is a Monday night at Turner Hall. The tickets went on sale on Monday. If you're thinking about going, I, I would encourage you to buy the tickets. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying I, I would not be surprised to see this largely sold out in the very near future. So um, do that. All right, 414-799-1620 is our number. New poll out by USA Today. And USA Today editorially and pretty much content-wise, has been universally supportive of the NFL players and their protests. They now have this poll out saying 51% of America agrees with the players and their protests. I I just don't I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe what they did is they polled people, you know, in, in New York City, but I, I think in general, this protest is hurting the NFL. I think NFL owners realize it's hurting the NFL, and I think it's turning people off to the product. Let's talk to Mike in Michigan. Mike, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry, Millie in Michigan. Millie, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, I disagree completely. I, I don't think that people are saying, yes, this is the correct thing to do. And I, I don't know where they're getting their polls from, but they better take them again, because <laughs> as, as it is in my part, um, I'm an avid football player, play a team uh, I love football and I would stop anything to watch it but I've quit I'm not watching it at all I don't care what they do you know yeah and and I think there's a lot of people who who feel that way especially 
I mean, I think especially the casual fans. You know, if you're if you're a hardcore Packers fan, Millie, or a Bears fan, or a Lions right. fan, you're, okay, you're you're probably you're going to watch your team. But that Thursday night game between the Chargers and the 49ers that you don't care about, you know, you yeah. don't want to see these high paid guys engaging in their nope. form of protest. No, you're you're just going to pass on that. That's that's right. And besides that, a football team, a football field is not the place to have this kind of thing go on. These people are paid to entertain, really. And if they want to protest or anything, do it some other place, not underneath our flag. Right. Now, thanks for calling. And see, and I continue to believe that that's where the vast majority of Americans are on this issue. Let's see. Uh, Carl writes, I have not changed my mind. I will still not watch any NFL game as long as politics protests are involved. I am choosing to express my First Amendment rights and not watch, buy, or contribute to the NFL or any sponsors of the NFL. ESPN is also on that list. Don't get me started about ESPN. I have DirecTV and have canceled my sports package. My only football now is college games. Go Badgers. I mean, I do believe that that's where the majority of people continue to be. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Gary in Milwaukee. Gary, good morning. Uh, hi. I'm, I'm kind of confused by your comments there. You're saying you don't believe the poll. Right. Do you know how many people were polled, and do you know what the questions were? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the reason why I'm asking is, as a former prosecutor, you couldn't go into a court of law and say, well, the fact is this, but my feeling is otherwise. Well, yeah, I think the poll, I, I don't believe the poll numbers. I don't, I think there's something wrong with the well, poll. that's just a personal bias. I, that's what I'm saying. That's my personal opinion on that. That's what I said. The, these are the poll numbers. I think they're wrong. Do you think they're right? Do you, I mean, do you blindly believe every poll you I saw? I don't have the questions. I well, okay, well, but I mean, okay, the, all the, po- the majority polls said, the majority polls said Hillary Clinton was going to win. They were wrong. Do we have to blindly believe the poll numbers? The poll numbers? I guess I'm kind of scratching my head on how everybody is so concerned about the revenue in the NFL right now. They're doing fine. Have you heard of any Packers fans who have given up their season tickets? Uh, I know of Packers fans that have dropped off the season ticket waiting list. And if okay, so there's only sixty thousand versus sixty. Yeah, okay, oh, right. So, I, ratings are down. I just sponsorship. Find it funny how everybody is so concerned about the revenue in the NFL now. Well, nobody's con- no, Gary. Nobody's concerned about. I could care less about the revenue in the NFL. It is an indicator, though, and the NFL owners, I think, are concerned about this. It is an indicator of the fact that I think people are, and we're hearing this, again, and it's anecdotal. I do a radio talk show. People call in, they express their opinions. I, they're historically, um, on this issue, the majority of polls that have been out there, at least up until this one, have said that the majority of Americans don't support these various protests. I tend to believe that. That is my gut feeling. It is intuitive. Maybe this is the one poll. Maybe there has been a sea change, which is actually what I wanted to talk about, about whether there is the sea change. Yeah, the question that they asked in this particular situation was, um, do, 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 the overwhelming, blah, 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 two-thirds, let's see, 51. Those surveys say the players' protests are appropriate. All right, that, that's the question. Are the players' protests appropriate? And their findings are 51%. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think that there is probably something wrong with the survey thing or with maybe the way they found their audience. I don't believe it. Just like I've told you before, a lot of polls that I see I think are junk polls. And I think that that's the way a lot of people are reacting now. If the NFL thinks that this issue is going to go away I, and before the protests do, I think that they are being naive about this. Um, just saying. Let's talk to Paul in Muskego. Paul, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. 
Um, I just want to go back to, to two callers ago. Um, Million in Michigan said she said that this isn't that the players aren't they're paid to play, and that that's not the right place for them to protest. Uh, now, now initially I I wasn't a big fan of the protest. I can't say I was uh, I was you know right sure. adamantly against them. But I'm just curious. People say that what is the right platform for them to protest? People aren't watching them on Wednesday afternoon. Well, well, so, but right, but I guess see, I think that's the point. The they're, they're in their workplace and they're protesting. If if they if they wanted to go out and do it on their and I think the difference is their own time versus their their work time. That's what I think the distinction would be. But you're right. They do it on their work time because nobody cares if they go out on a three thirty on a Tuesday afternoon. They do it when people are tuned in to the game when they're co- going to watch them essentially go to work. Right. Um, yeah. As far as my feelings about the protests, uh, they they definitely changed after uh, Trump's tweets and Trump's comments. Just the the venom and the, you know how 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 angry he seemed towards mm-hmm. NFL players who are. You know, it, I, I totally understand people that feel it's disrespectful. I have four uncles who are cops. I have multiple family members who served in the military. Uh, they're kneeling. They're not uh, going out and, and promoting more violence or, or other things. They're, they're talking about unity. It's, you know, I, I didn't, after Trump came out and he used much harsher, harsher words. He said they should be that. fired. Right. That, and, that, well, and that's one of the other questions they asked. Do you think it was appropriate? You're right, right. And you, I, I, right? Do you think it was appropriate that he called for them to uh, to fire the players and for fans to boycott the games? In that case, the numbers had about seventy percent saying no that they thought the president went too far. No, thanks to God. And I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to separate these things out. I understand that once President Trump decided to weigh in and, and get involved in the middle of this, the whole thing escalated because then it became not so much an issue of are the protests appropriate or not. Um, is it the right time, place, etc.? Then it became a: Are you a Trump supporter? Are you not a Trump supporter? Uh, even if we don't like what the players are doing, we got to stand up to the president. How dare he say these type of things? I think that there are two distinct issues, and I, I'm, I, you know, I guess maybe more numbers will come out. You know, maybe we'll see how ratings and revenue and things like that work out. I still don't believe that the majority of Americans think that these protests by these very, very highly paid players. And again, I still don't even know what they're protesting. I mean, you got the one guy that some people are protesting for the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, other people are protesting because we need more help to Puerto Rico. I mean, I still don't even know what the protests are. And most of the players don't know what the protests are for. It's all these individual type of things. Um, I still don't believe that that is winning hearts and minds. It's 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up next, another day, another keep a couple of people dead in the mean streets of Milwaukee because somebody decided to blow through a red light. We're going to talk about that. The Foxconn announcement is coming out. I think it's going to be great for Mount Pleasant. And are Democrats going to win this redistricting case in front of the Supreme Court? And will it really make any difference? It's 11.09. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us during Mike's report. He had the news report about how um, technology is making baseball games go slower and causing a loss of fan interest. It's not that. The game is just too slow. I mentioned this a while ago. I tried to watch the game last night. It was the wild card play-in. I mean, that's those are great. It went four hours. I mean, it started at 7 o'clock. It ended just a little bit before 11. There were constant pitching changes. There were all this dawdling around. 
Who has the attention? I mean, if you're a hardcore Yankees fan or a Twins fan, I get it. But otherwise, for the casual fan, who can invest four hours in a baseball game? And that's it is a huge issue. And I understand that, you know, attendance still appears to be holding OK. I think it's great that in Milwaukee, you know, we we'd get two point five million people to turn out to the games. And my guess is next year with the improved play of the Brewers, it's going to be higher. And I think that's incredible. But you, you, know, you can't invest four hours in in a baseball game and they got to figure out a way to move those games along and I understand it's the playoffs and I understand you had a lot of pitching changes but still four hours people don't have that kind of attention span anymore all right I, I've, I've talked about this before there's one route that I drive in to, to work on on a daily basis and um, I, I go so, to get from where I live to get to work here on Capitol Drive, one of the ways I can go is I can come from the north and I go through Esterbrook Park, which is just a little bit to the east of where I am now. In order to do that, you have to cross Hampton Avenue. So I come down a street, it's Lydell, and there's there's a stoplight. So I will be going across I'm driving south on Lydell, I cross Hampton, I go into Esterbrook Park. There it's a there's stoplights that, that are there. Um, the stoplights, you have more time on, on Hampton because it's a bigger street and people, especially in the morning and the evening, there's a freeway entrance there. So they're going there. So you know if you cross, if you're going to cross Hampton on Lydell, be prepared to wait for a little bit of time at the stoplight. So I'm, I'm prepared to do that. Well, I, I, the thing I have learned the hard way or almost the hard way is that if you are waiting to cross Hampton, the light turns green, so I have the right away. You cannot go right away. You have to literally sit one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Because if you go when you have the right of way, you will be slammed into by a car running the red light. I see this on almost a daily basis. And the idea, I think, is some people look at this and they see the light turn yellow. And the idea is floor it no matter where I am. Go like you know what. Try to go through this. And and you just you learn if you drive this intersection. It is just flat out unsafe because people routinely run red lights. I have always and this is an area where it's there's Milwaukee, there's Glendale, there's um, you know Whitefish Bay. But I've always said if you just want to write tickets, just stake out this intersection, and I guarantee you, you know, you'll generate enough revenue in two days for the entire month. Just people running red lights in an irresponsible fashion. This happens all the time. And again, this is just an intersection I travel through. My guess is you travel through intersections on a daily basis where you see the same thing. All right, well, what what has me set off about this now is that, um, again, not really that far from where I hear, uh, am now. And Capital Drive, Capital Drive is just a nightmare if you want to drive on it. It really is the, uh, a free-for-all. I mean, you... It's almost like if you drive on Capitol Drive in Milwaukee, it is one of those areas where the laws of physics haven't been suspended, but the laws of man have been. I mean, you see incredible kind. You see people weaving in and out at high rates of speed. Red lights are not stops, are not treated as anything other than suggestions, speed limits, um, suggestions that aren't followed very often. In any event, what happened about 1.15 a.m. Monday, so this would be Sunday night, Monday morning, Capitol Drive and 35th Street, a 22-year-old guy blew through a red light, crashed into a car driven by a 29-year-old woman who was in the car with her 11-month-old daughter. The woman 
and the infant were killed as a result of the car crash. Um, there was a 15-year-old girl who was in the car. She was hospitalized um, with injuries. I think she's going to survive, but I don't have an update on her condition. The guy who was involved in the crash fled the scene. Um, ultimately, they caught him at the hospital. He has now been arrested in connection with this. So this is a guy who, again, blows through the red light, crashes into the car, kills the woman, kills the infant, hurts the teenager, takes off. He gets caught at the hospital, and presumably you know, there's going to be criminal charges uh, against him. But this happens on a regular basis in the city of Milwaukee and all over th- this area. What's more is it's almost a miracle that there's not even more carnage because just like I say with with shootings, you know, every time somebody is shot, that could be a homicide. And often it's just but for the grace of God that somebody doesn't die when when they get shot. So that's why I always argue if you're trying to look at violence figures, you look at shootings as opposed to homicides because – Anytime that bullet gets fired, somebody could end up dead. Similarly, this is with, you know, with red lights. Every time somebody blows through a red light, it could easily turn into a fatality. And many times the fact that it doesn't is simply, again, but for the grace of God. Now, I, I know that this was getting kicked around a little bit yesterday. Milwaukee Alderman Tony Zielinski, who sometimes I agree with and sometimes I don't, you know, he's out saying, look, it's, it's time for the state to allow us to start installing red light cameras at a number of intersections throughout the the city. The idea being that maybe if the word gets out that if you blow through a red light, you're going to get ticketed, you're going to get fined, maybe you're going to end up losing your license, it might deter some people from driving in as reckless a fashion as they do. Now, I get that that's not going to stop the 20-year-old gangbanger who just doesn't care about anything, who doesn't have a driver's license, who's cruising in a stolen car. I, I get that. So it's not a perfect answer. But I do think there's a lot of people who take red lights as a suggestion and still have some sense of responsibility. But if they knew that they were going to be going through areas where there were red light cameras and they were going to end up getting tickets, I think it would help deter some, not all, but some of the reckless driving that's going on there, I think this is a good idea. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would support red light cameras. I recognize that there's going to be some revenue-generating aspect to this, but you know what? We've got to do something to try to curtail a lot of the idiotic driving that is going on, and I think this is one step in that right in that direction. For and I know the intersection that I would recommend the first one you put up one of those red light cameras. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Many states have them. Some Illinois, for example, Chicago did it, and it was very controversial because without telling anybody, they cut down they cut down the length of the yellow light. So, you know, people thought they had more time than they did. And, of course, they did it because they wanted to generate revenue. I'm not talking about doing this primarily as a revenue-generating thing. I'm talking about doing this legitimately, giving people notice these are monitored intersections as a way of trying to make the roads safer. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1117. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1120. This is Jeff Wagner. 
It's an extended break, but how can health, how healthy can we expect the Packers to be come kickoff Sunday in Dallas? Greg Matzik shares the latest injury report this evening during Sports Central Live. He's in Lambeau Field beginning at 6 o'clock. All right. Um, other day, another situation. 22-year-old guy blows through a red light at 1 o'clock in the morning. My guess is alcohol was involved, but I don't know. Slams into a car, kills a 29-year-old woman, kills her 11-month-old child, injures a teenager in the car. He tries to flee. They catch him at the intersection. This stuff happens on a daily basis or a regular basis. People blowing through lights. Thankfully, it doesn't all result in fatalities. Um, Tony Zielinski at Alderman says, hey, it's time for the state to give us permission to put up red light cameras. I, I agree. Let's start with Brian on the north side. Brian, you're first. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Well, I live near 175th Mill Road. It's a, I got a four-way stop there. Okay. People are always going through that stop sign. There's always accidents. Well, last week, I was shocked. I saw a police car parked, and I said, about time, uh, somebody's watching this. And then all of a sudden, I saw somebody speeding right through the stop sign. I said, wow, that guy got... He's, right, they're going to get him. Go get him. Go get him. Go catch him, and, cops. And, yeah. And then, I, and then I looked real close. Nobody was in the police car. It, what they're doing is parking police cars. That's how. That's their answer to stop. They're thinking by just seeing a police car, they won't do it. But these people figured that out already. Well, and, yeah, and it, you know, th- thanks for call. I mean, I guess, and and that's that is that is part of the problem that, that that's out there. And and look, and I I understand. And I'm not suggesting that red light cameras solves this entire problem. I look, I, I get that when it comes to the roadways around here, you've got lots of issues. You've got, you know, people who just don't give a rat's rump that are driving around at high rates of speed, no driver's licenses, um, no insurance, a lot of times stolen cars, that type of stuff. And I understand that those people that are going through, you know, red lights, having a red light camera, it, it's not going to make any difference. So I understand that it's not going to solve everything. But there's a lot of people, I think, who still just do that anyways. Here, I'm going to speed up. I'm going to try to go through this. Who might, just might, if they knew that they were going to get the ticket and they knew that they were going to have the points on their license and that maybe it's going to affect their insurance, maybe, just maybe, they would try to drive a little bit more responsibly. And the reality, unfortunately, is keep in mind, you know, we're talking about Milwaukee, for example, where, you know, if your house is shot up, and you call 911, you've got a four-hour wait unless somebody is bleeding or the shooter's still outside. So the, the part of the problem is, you know, even with these problem intersections, you just don't have enough cops, thank you, Tom Barrett, to, to do that kind of traffic patrol that you need to be done. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, let's talk to Tom in Greenfield. Tom, good morning. Morning, Jeff. What do you think? Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the, it's going to help because I think you've got a lot of people that are driving without licenses or yeah. insurance, stolen cars and everything else. You've got a good probably 50%, 75% of the darn people that live in uh, Milwaukee County that are probably like that, and they could care less. You're going you, to try to catch them? So, so you catch them and what? Are they going to? Are they going? You going to do anything to? No, what? I don't think it's going to happen. It's been going on for too darn long, and they keep on blowing through lights. They keep on driving crazy. Look at the cars. Look at how how banged up they look, like uh, Crazy Jim's uh, demolition. Right. Well, I mean, but thanks for call. But see, here here's the thing. I I, I get. I I mean, what 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 you're saying is that all right. Just because there's some people who don't care about blowing through red lights, that means that everybody doesn't care. And I mean, I think. 
I, I just don't buy that. I mean, I, I don't know. We could argue about what percentage. And I, like I say, I agree. Stolen cars, gangsters, people without licenses, people without insurance, that is certainly a percentage. But that's not all of the people. My guess is that's just not even the vast majority of the people. So my question would be, explain to me what the downside of the red light cameras are besides the cost to, to put them in. But, I mean, why why – if we would all agree as a basic premise that if you run a red light, that is a bad thing and you deserve to be ticketed. If we would all agree with that, if this, even if you can only collect on 50% of the tickets, what what is the downside to having this? I guess that's what I, I, I look at. Um, let's see, we have a text. I completely agree, and I understand it's not going to stop all people with stolen cars, but at the very least... A fine could make someone think twice, and hopefully reckless driving caught on camera could result in arrests and revocations of licenses. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. And again, I'm just I'm thinking of this this intersection that I've got to cross every day, I, and I, I regularly watch people blow through that red light. I don't think those are necessarily stolen cars or gangsters. What I think is they're people that are in a hurry and they want to get to work and they see the yellow light and they don't want to have to wait a minute at a stop sign, so they floor it and go through. That's what I think, at least the intersection I'm thinking of, that's what the majority of people um, are doing. At least that's my theory on this. Let's talk to Dave in Wind Lake. Dave, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I agree with these stoplights, these, these cameras. I, I, I think that's going to help a lot um, in some areas. And But the biggest thing is, though, is I, I'm, I'm constantly in the city. I'm a contractor, okay, an HVAC right. contractor. And I travel a lot to the north side of Milwaukee. And even, you know, they, they, they do the police are putting these cars out. Yes, it's starting to slow a little bit of the cars down. Not everybody, because they park them in the same spot continuously, and people that travel that area know they're fake cars, okay? Um, but what about the police that are sitting in these cars yeah. that seeing this happen, then they don't do nothing about it. Yep. I, yep. I mean, I've watched a guy right in front of us, the police officer sitting to my right, and the car blew right through the intersection on 43rd and Capitol. Yep. Did he pull out after him? No, he did not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and, and, and thank, I mean, I'll tell you why, at least one, and I'm not justifying this, one of the reasons that happened was because of the idiotic chase policy that, that Ed Flynn had in place that's now apparently been liberalized a little bit, where the, the cops weren't allowed to chase people for speeding or reckless driving or blowing through red lights. So I will tell you, I talked to a lot of police officers. Their attitude was, okay, yes, the person's going 70 miles an hour in a 35-mile zone. They blew through the red light. We don't have enough evidence. We don't know that there was a – he hasn't committed a felony. We can't tell whether even – even if it's a stolen car, they can't chase it unless it – they couldn't chase it under the old policy, so they would let it go. You're exactly right. That happened. Now, maybe that the Fire and Police Commission and the aldermen have forced the police chief to at least wake up a little with his chase policy, maybe they'll be able to do it more. Look, and I understand it's not a perfect solution. I, I, I get it, I, and I, I'm sympathetic with it, but at the same time, what, what's wrong? What is wrong with ticketing more people who blow through red lights? And, and I guess I just don't see the downside. It's 1128. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1134. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Bucks make their BMO Harris Bradley Center debut this evening 
in another preseason tune-up against the Indiana Pacers. Ted Davis begins our coverage with Buck Shots at 640 here on WTMJ. It's great to have the Bucks back on the air. Okay, so Monday, I, I was supposed to be off, but I got called in and, and Glad to come in because of, you know, the, the breaking news involving the, the shooting in, in um, Las Vegas. And so, actually, it was kind of good because it, it got me back on my game. And then I had all sorts of errands that I, I had to run afterwards, including the fact that um, I had gotten married on Friday. So I had to filled out the, the the marriage license, you know, filled out by the the the, the justice who, who did our, our wedding and stuff. And under the law, it has to be filed in, in three days. And um, the woman... the um, Annette Ziegler, who's a Supreme Court justice, actually w- was kind enough to marry us on Friday, and um, it had to be filed, and she had to be in Madison. I said, I'll "Tell you what, I'll, we, you know, we won't send it in. I will physically take it down, and I will file it with the Register of Deeds." So, um, and the way it works in Wisconsin is, you can get a marriage license in any county where one of the parties live. So, um, my wife lives in Washington County, so we went to the Washington County Courthouse, but. The marriage license, once you're married, it has to be filed in the county where you were married. We were married in Milwaukee County. So, all right, it has to be done, so I'm going to just take care of it. So I drive downtown and um, go over to the courthouse. Now, I used to work in the federal courthouse, which was just night and day different from the Milwaukee County courthouse. The um, the, the Milwaukee County courthouse, ba- back in the day, I remember it being just kind of an icky, sort of unpleasant place. And my, my, I will tell you this, time has not healed this particular wound. So I got, I got down there, and all I want to do is i got to get up to the Register of Deeds and whatever the room is and file this. That's all I'm trying to accomplish. The, uh, and I understand you've got security. They now have it down to one entrance. Um, the, the main entrance that you would go into off of, what is that, Well Street, that is now closed to the public. So you can't go in through that entrance. So there's only one entrance you can go into, and that is off of 10th Street. And so in the courthouse, everybody who has to go into the courthouse has to go through the screening process, not just if you're going to, like, the criminal courts or anything. Everybody that goes into the building has to go through the screening process. So you've got this incredibly long line where there's people like me who just want to file this one piece of paper, are there with the eight family members of the guy who's getting ready to get sentenced to 25 years for carjacking and armed robbery, which makes for an interesting kind of group of people. The To go through the metal detectors, um, the, the security, and I'm not faulting the security, but it is, I will tell you, it is easier to get on an airplane than it is to get on the, um, get through the security at the Milwaukee County Courthouse. You, you get down there and literally it's take off your belt, take off your watch, you know, and no metal at all, take off your jacket, all these different types of things. And again, I'm not criticizing, but it is a lengthy process, you know, made worse because everybody's got to go through this. And then you you get into the courthouse and then you kind of try to figure out where you're going. So I was wandering around the courthouse and um, there is a four-letter word to describe the Milwaukee County Courthouse. That four-letter word would be dump. It it is just, it, it's, it's just a dump. And I mean, I, I remember you know, back back in the day, and like I say, even when I was practicing law downtown and stuff, I rarely went into the courthouse. It it was a dump back then. I remember there was at one point in time where I w- was entertaining the idea of applying for a judicial appointment or something like that, and I it didn't work. I, I never did, and I'm glad I didn't. But I remember walking over the courthouse thinking, 
what a dump. I can't imagine what it would be like to work in a dump like this. And that was that was 15 or 20 years ago. That was more than 20 years ago. It it, it hasn't it just hasn't gotten better. There's people sleeping around there. there. There's stuff that's falling out. Now, I bring this up because there was a story the other day how the Public Policy Forum just did this survey. And what they did is they went out and they looked at a whole bunch of, of buildings. And they concluded that there's a lot of county buildings that are in desperate need of of repair. And that Milwaukee County, it's, it's much worse. They're talking about how the, the safety building... Um, with a 10-story criminal courthouse, I mean, that, that, that the safety building desperately needs to be replaced. They're looking at $220 million for that. Then you've got, you know, the mental health complex, the medical examiner's office. You've got all the, these buildings that are just incredible in states of, of disrepair, and the courthouse would have to be top among them. Now, I mean, I remember as I'm kind of like wandering around the the courthouse trying to you know do my little filing and things like that I kept thinking oh this is a really pretty building but you you are obviously talking about tens of millions maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to restore this and part of the fact is that it's it's been deferred maintenance over decades other parts of it is just it's just flat old i mean there's nothing you can do about it but the question becomes you know where where is Milwaukee County going to get the hundreds of millions of dollars that it's going to take to restore these various, you know, buildings. And I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I just, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I think at some point in time, you know, Chris, let me double the wheel tax ably, is going to be in a situation where, you know, he's going to have to try to figure out ways to really sell massive tax increases as a way of doing this maintenance. And I wish I had a good answer to this, but, I mean, you you, you walk around, you go into some of these Milwaukee County buildings, and, and, and I don't know if it's fair to blame Abley or it's fair to blame Scott Walker when he was county executive, or it's fair to blame, you know, the various Tom Amitt who came before him, but, but – you know, this deferred maintenance is really kind of showing up. And, you know, you walk through these buildings and, again, you know, maybe you'll say, oh, this is a beautiful old building. My guess is more likely you will say this is an absolute dump. And you, they've got, like I say, all these different exits that are closed. You've got this work that's going on. It looks like for people who work in that building, it looks like there's one OSHA violation after another going on. I don't know what the answer is, but this is a financial train wreck coming um, towards Milwaukee County and the taxpayers. I'm here to tell you that light you see is not a light at the end of the tunnel. It is a train coming the other way. It's 1142. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 11.45, Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. Let's go full circle. First segment of the program, we talked about a gun control issue. Let, let's wrap up the program by talking about a gun control issue. Um, there was There's a bill moving through Congress. It's called the Sportsman's Heritage and Recreational Enhancement Act. Um, it, it's known as SHARE, S-H-A-R-E, Sportsman's Heritage and Recreational Enhancement Act. Um, and it's got a number of provisions in it, including making it easier for people to travel in interstate commerce with guns. But perhaps the most controversial provision of it relates to purchasing silencers. Now, a lot of people don't know this. It is not illegal to purchase a silencer for a firearm. But if if you do, 
You can't just go and, and buy a silencer. First of all, you have to pay a special $200 tax, and then you have to go through a longer registration process that includes a criminal background check. So you can own one, but there are more hoops that you have to jump through. This this SHARE Act would... Um, essentially eliminate the requirement that you have to get a special license from ATF, um, similar to like a license you have to get if you want to have a machine gun, um, and essentially silencers would be treated like like firearms, and you would only need to have the federal background check. So that's what this bill would do. It's one of many things the bill would do, but the silencer provision is probably the most controversial. Paul Ryan announced yesterday that this bill wasn't going to be brought to the floor. It wasn't going to be brought up for a vote now or at least in the foreseeable future. But it remains incredibly controversial. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to disagree with me on this one. But as I've been saying before, I think when it comes to firearms, there there are happy mediums that, that are out there. You know, the people that talk about wanting to confiscate semi-automatic weapons, I, I think that, that that's silly. You're never going to be able to, to do that. You can't affect that. At the same time, the people that are absolutists, the folks that say, I don't see that there's a problem with people owning machine guns, I, I just I don't get that idea either. I think that there are balancing acts. Um, these these ways, and we talked about this at the beginning of the program, these things like bump stocks or the stuff that you put on the triggers that can take a legal weapon and quickly convert it into an automatic weapon, which you or the, to, so that it operates like an automatic weapon does, an automatic weapon that would be illegal, I, it seems to me crazy that you could be able to do stuff like that and that that sort of stuff should be available. Similarly, I don't get the push to make it easier for people to own silencers. I don't know that there's, again, any sort of overall legitimate reason why somebody needs to have a silencer. And if you do need to have a silencer, there's a way that you can go about, and there's provisions that you can go and you can get it. Now, you have to pay that extra tax. You have to go through the extra registration thing. But the the fact of the matter is that when there are crimes that are committed, and if somebody uses a silencer, it makes it more difficult to, again, you know, identify where the shots are coming from, to recognize that they're shooting, might make it more difficult to actually, um, you know, catch the person in advance. And, and just like, I, while I don't, under, I don't understand why somebody needs to have the bump stock that turns their semi-automatic rifle into essentially the equivalent of a machine gun, I'm kind of the same way with silencers. If if you got to have one, you can get them. But do we really want to treat silencers the same way that um, we, we just simply treat guns, for a regular firearm? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage uh, talk and text line. I mean, again, I'm just I, – I, I raise these questions because – my, my my operative question is always, you know, why is it that, you know, you would need to have something like this? I mean, that's just the question that I end up asking. Why do you why do you absolutely need to have something like this? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we essentially eliminate the regulations and the added restrictions on silencers so that more people could have them 
without having to go through as extensive a background check and without having to pay the you know two hundred and fifty dollar two hundred dollar extra tax that they say they need. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to John in Watoma. John, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Well, um, I. I think there should be legislation for it because I believe the people are being misinformed by the media and the Democrats what suppressors truly are. They try to make it out like what you see in movies, that they're super quiet. They're not super quiet. Right. They cut the decibel level by maybe 30, 40 decibels, but you still hear the weapon fire. Right, and, and, right. and the terms silencer and suppressors are, are interchangeable. They, they, mean the, they mean the same thing, right? It, it's not... Right, it doesn't yeah. completely eliminate the sound. But no, I, but I guess the operative question is, why? Why does somebody need something that reduces the sound? This is more for people at shooting ranges. I mean, Wisconsin has small shooting ranges. You go out west in the desert areas where you have hundreds of people lined up at a shooting range. That's a lot of noise, and that's what this is. What the law is kind of geared for is where you have group, big groups of people shooting at shooting ranges. Yeah. Some weapons, like a twenty-two, you can shoot without wearing ear protection. Yeah. But larger caliber rifles, yeah, they still make noise, but it's just to cut the noise down. It yeah. doesn't make it dead silent like oh. people are being. Oh, oh right, showed. no, right, no, John, you're, you're right. And, and I don't know that I was suggesting that. Right, that right. The term suppressor is is. I mean, it, that that means the same thing as silencer. Right. It's it's not. It is not like the movies. You got the spy movies where it's just like you know, um, where where there's no gunshot at all. It, it's not. It, it just it suppresses the sound. It makes it more quiet. But I guess at the same time, I, I sit there and I, I do say, okay, if you're at the shooting range, for example, you know, yeah, chances are I mean, you're going to be wearing ear protection anyways. I mean, every time I've gone to a shooting range, that's one of the first things you do. You put on you put on the ear protection because other people, it's not like everybody's going to be shooting silencers. I mean, people are going to be shooting all sorts of firearms there, and you want to protect your, your ears as a general rule. I just come back, and I, I just don't, I don't understand why... I, I, okay, I, I, let me change that. I get why, you know, maybe somebody, if you want to go to the gun range and it's, it's an enclosed area and it's just going to be you, you don't want the inconvenience of putting on the, the headphones to, to muffle the noise mufflers. I, okay, I get it. But at the same time, there's no question that the silencers make it more difficult, even though they don't completely and totally eliminate the noise. You know, these silencers enhance the ability of somebody who wants to use something in a criminal fashion. Now, again, I understand that the criminals are going to be able to get the silencers, but is there really a need to make it easier, easier for somebody to walk around with a gun that has the silencer aspect to it? Brad in Bristol. Brad, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Uh, I, I believe... Uh, suppressors are a good thing because I have a lot of acreage. I have a 200-acre farm, and I like to shoot in my backyard. And I like to target shoot in my backyard, and I'm trying to be more courteous to my neighbors as I shoot. And you know what? Suppressor doesn't quiet it down to nothing, but it makes it less annoying to my neighbors. And I, yeah, my understanding is I'm, I'm looking up something here. A typical firearm suppressor will reduce the muzzle report by about 30 decibels. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's you know, that can make a big difference to, uh, you know, neighbors around me. Uh, 
and I'm not. Why should I go to a range and pay money to go to a range when I have my own range in my backyard? Well, but at the you same know, time, are, you, are your na- if, if you're out there target shooting, do your neighbors really complain because of the gunshots? No, but uh, I, I try to be courteous to my neighbors because yeah. you know they try to be courteous to me. So why shouldn't I be courteous to them? Well, I'm, you know I, what? I, I just I I look at it. Why should uh, there? You can make right. You can actually make silencers, yep. and nobody will ever know it. So the kind of you know keeping it to where the ATF has to you know, get a $200 tax stamp and, and go through all the hoops, it, it, it's, it's kind of a moot point because if you really want to do it, you can do it. Well, so, but, but I mean, but, but I can, thanks for calling. I can only go so far with that argument, Brad, because that's like saying, well, because you can go on the Internet and you can go to a hardware store and you can find out the instructions, you can get the stuff to convert your semi-automatic rifle so it will fire fully automatic, that means... We shouldn't have regulations and restrictions on fully automatic weapons because somebody can change it. I guess, I, I mean, I understand there's going to be sportsmen and it's a minor inconvenience, but at the same time, I, I think because of the potential for these to be used in crimes, I guess I just look at this law and I really ask, do you need to change things? Okay, it's 1155. Scafidi and Bill Statter are next. Stick around.